Now, just how close is Taiwan to producing a COVID vaccine? Health Minister Chen Shizong told lawmakers on Monday that Taiwan had several candidates currently in phase one trials. If the vaccines prove safe and effective and complete all phases on schedule, Chen said mass production could start in the second quarter of 2021. Also on Monday, Taiwan reported three more imported COVID infections. Two are Philippine nationals with Taiwan residency who had recently returned from the Philippines. The other is a Taiwanese in his 40s who returned from Indonesia on Saturday. The executive yuan has produced a documentary on Taiwan's campaign against COVID-19. The documentary premiered on Sunday and shows that the nation's success was in large part because of the close cooperation between the people and their government. At the same event, President Tsai Ing-wen conferred medals on dozens of behind-the-scenes heroes who helped keep Taiwan safe. The documentary premiered on Sunday with the story of Taiwan's fight against COVID over the past six months. Speaking at the event, President Tsai shared a personal take on her premier's management style. There was a time in my career when I reported to Premier Su. His demands, they would make me think, how can this boss be so cranky? But his grumpiness had its logic. By having a very exacting attitude and demands at certain times, he was able to build a very efficient team. The president trusts everyone on the administrative team. In addition, she leads by example. She took the lead in visiting every site to motivate and cheer everyone on. Thanking the behind-the-scenes heroes of Taiwan's COVID fight, President Tsai presented 44 medals. Several ministers were in the audience, including Health Minister Chen Shizhong, whose approval ratings have soared in the epidemic. The threat was so uncertain, and there was so little scientific evidence. The only thing that could be done was to use our limited knowledge and abilities to counter the unknown. The whole team maintained an extremely humble attitude that was filled with caution and trepidation. The public spirit of the Taiwanese people will allow us to defeat this virus. Let's work hard together towards this goal. Using its democratic system and using such methods, Taiwan became a safe haven admired by all in these troubled times. Every team and every person worked day and night to deliver an exemplary performance affirmed by a thumbs up from the world. Taiwan's success in containing COVID has been seen around the world, but there is still a long road ahead before the end of the pandemic. Many cities like Tokyo and New York have cancelled their New Year's countdown events. However, Taipei is bucking the trend. On Monday, Taipei 101 announced the annual end-of-year fireworks will continue this year just as it has over the past 17 years. Organizers say they will enlist pyrotechnics professionals to put on a show of at least 300 seconds. More details will be released of the fireworks extravaganza and the LED light show. It's almost mid-autumn festival and many will be heading to the countryside to enjoy a holiday in nature. Hotels in Hualien are a popular choice for many, but businesses are concerned about whether the government's travel subsidy scheme will still be in effect when the holiday rolls around. The first rays of dawn spread across the sky. The sun peeks out from the ocean horizon. Hours later, and a few white clouds drift over an azure sea. This is the Jingguang Glass House in Hualien's Shoufeng Township, which opened in August. 
I think it's perfect for coming to relax. The owner provides snacks. You can take them with no pressure. A view like this will never be short of admirers. The entrance ticket includes snacks and drinks, but you can bring your own nibbles too. In just a month, the location has become super trendy. It's only a 20 or 25 minute car ride from the city, and you can see the best scenery in Hualien, the best mountain view, sea view, night views, sunrise. It's almost the National Day long weekend, and hotels are getting ready. Bookings have been coming in since early July. We've definitely seen growth in these two national holidays compared to last year. We expect growth of about 30 to 40 percent. But business owners fear they might not qualify for the government's travel subsidy program. They say they can't guarantee discounts to guests. We want the government to give us a clear answer about when the subsidy scheme will end. An ambiguous answer is very hard for businesses to deal with and impossible to explain to customers. We have now applied for our seventh sum of 80 million NT. There is no lack of funding. Hualien County government promises it's listening to businesses. It looks like the popular holiday county will once more welcome a flood of visitors over October. Handshake and beverages are a quintessential part of Taiwanese street life. The menu is normally long, with teas and coffees, fruit and pearls, milks, toppings and syrups all competing for your favour. The Agriculture and Food Agency has launched a contest for drinks featuring Taiwan's local fruit. A fruity tea is a healthy and delicious way to support Taiwan's raw economy, say officials. Apple, pineapple, guava, kumquat. Local Taiwanese fruit is piled high in the cup. Then in goes the tea for a delicious fruity refreshment. We use six types of Taiwanese fruit, including pineapple, guava and apple. It sells well both in summer and winter. As Taiwanese people get more and more health conscious, fruit-infused drinks are gaining popularity. Like this drink with a whole lemon inside full of vitamin C. It's delicious and low calorie. I like grapefruit, which is sweet and sour, together with green tea. The texture of it is lovely, and I don't have to worry about whether I'll bite down on a pearl. Biting down on the grapefruit is actually really nice. Handshake and drinks like these are worth over 100 billion NT in Taiwan annually. The Agriculture and Food Agency has organized this local fruit tea competition to boost the sales of Taiwan's produce. After the events last year and the year before, we saw a great result, with profits rising by at least 50 percent or even doubling. The agency is focusing on six fruit types, dragon fruit, guava, papaya, mandarin, pomelo, lemon and banana. The contest is open for entries until September 30th, and the top three winners will each receive 100,000 NT. Right now, the banana is worth even more than last year. This time last year, it was worth just 7 NT a kilogram. This year, so far, it's 10 NT a kilogram, and we expect it to keep rising. The contest says promoting fruit tea is a nourishing and delicious way to support Taiwan's farmers. Taiwanese companies are expected to benefit from a transfer of orders away from China after foreign media reported over the weekend that the U.S. Commerce Department has imposed restrictions on exports to China's biggest chipmaker, SMIC. This comes after telecoms giant Huawei was put on a Commerce Department's blacklist and lost some of its access to high-end chips. Analysts say global companies may now transfer their orders to Taiwan. Let's listen to Edward Chen of First Capital Management. 
The ones that may benefit include UMC, Vanguard and Macronix. UMC produces 8-inch wafers as does Vanguard. I mentioned Macronix as China's gigadevice semiconductor, also supplied Simic with NorFlash technology. This could also return to Taiwanese manufacturers of flash memory. What Chen says is echoed by industry insiders who estimate that chips from contract semiconductor foundries could see a wave of price increases. Rush orders for 8-inch wafers are estimated to increase by 10% and may possibly rise by another 10% next year. The market is also watching to see if there is a trend for price increases for NOR NOR flash memory chips. On September 28th, or Teachers' Day, the Ministry of Education conferred its 2020 National Excellent Teacher Awards in a ceremony at Yang Minsan's Zhongshan Hall. President Tsai Ing-wen and Premier Su Chang attended the event and thanked teachers for playing a vital role in Taiwan's COVID defense. The common stage one by one to receive the reward. Education Minister Pan Wenzhong presented a special distinction for outstanding veteran teachers. On September 28th, Teachers' Day, the Ministry of Education held its National Excellent Teacher Award Ceremony. President Tsai and Premier Su both attended the event to present awards. In her address, the President thanked Taiwan's teachers for the hard work this year. Today is Teacher's Day. I'm very happy to be gathered here with so many outstanding teachers on this day dedicated to educators, especially as we're going through a pandemic. Through the efforts of the government and all the nation's people, Taiwan has become the only country in the world with no school closures due to COVID. Taiwan's teachers, having implemented disease prevention measures at places of learning, have been most critical to that feat. Among the educators honored on Monday was Zhang Shangchun, Executive Vice President of National Taiwan University. Since the start of the year, Zhang has served on the Central Epidemic Command Center as a convener of the advisory panel. He received an award for his outstanding performance in academia, along with his contributions to fighting COVID as well as SARS in 2003. During the ceremony, Premier Su said that throughout his life, he met many great teachers who shaped his development. It's because you've taught your students so well that Taiwan has had the skills for fighting COVID. In a world where 32 million people have been diagnosed and nearly 1 million have died, we are a safe haven in a chaotic landscape. We are a country that everyone is commending with a thumbs up. The president and premier emphasized that Taiwan's COVID success was a credit to its teachers who upheld public health protocols in schools. On the occasion of Teachers' Day, they thanked educators across the country for their hard work. A project that brings ecology, economy and local culture together is bringing sparkle to Taoyuan's coastal communities. National Central University launched this social engagement scheme to get students working directly with local residents. It includes ecological restoration, hacker culture and language preservation and air pollution monitoring, all ways that students' expertise can be of service to the community. A public beach cleaning event is underway here at Xingwu in Taoyuan, a step toward healing marine ecology. This is part of the Taoyuan Coast Ecology Life and Production Project, National Central University's Social Responsibility Scheme. 
Taoyuan has 46 kilometers of coastline. It's been greatly damaged by climate change, human impact, economic development, and so on. So this project is focused on Taoyuan's coast. It integrates ecology, life, and production into one, and that's very connected to our specialty. On top of projects to protect the marine and coastal environment, students in NCU's Atmospheric Sciences Department are also applying their knowledge to build air quality detectors for the community. And online, they share their research findings with students at sister colleges in Vietnam and Thailand. That means the local work has an international impact. Another project sees students recording details of life and culture in many of the region's Hakka villages. Professor Zhou of the College of Hakka Studies gives Hakka language classes, allowing children to get in touch with the beauty of local heritage wherever their parents hailed from. He hopes that these long-term projects will flower into more and more international collaborations. NCU students are already engaging deeply with the dilemma of integrating economic prosperity with ecological responsibility and making academia relevant to the world outside the campus gates. Starting Wednesday, you can register to take a ride on a self-driving bus down the streets of Taipei. Limited road tests began earlier this year on Taipei Xinyi Road. Results are good and developers say the bus is now ready for the general public. Let's take a look. This self-driving bus brings itself to a stop if it detects a pedestrian up ahead. The 9-meter-long vehicle is equipped with 9 cameras enabling accurate object detection, as well as 2 optical radars for precise geolocation. The interior can accommodate 34 people. A passenger boarding the bus takes a fall. Cameras inside the bus can detect the accident and report it instantaneously to the monitoring station. Supported by physical behavior detection technology and the low latency of 5G, remote personnel can monitor safety on the bus. Working with the Taipei city government, a domestic telecoms company is building a full 5G ecosystem for unmanned vehicles. 5G can be applied at smart intersections for self-driving cars, providing better results for the road safety programs of driverless buses. The test launch of the new driverless bus will be a great help to testing the maturity of our technical proficiencies. Networks are used to set the standards for self-driving cars and smart transport. When newer mobile networks become the standard for autonomous vehicles, there is a great reduction in the cost of self-driving cars. Safety operators can switch the bus mode from manual to automatic. And with that, the vehicle can navigate a preset route without human guidance. Earlier this year, Taipei city government began testing the bus on a limited basis, running it on Xingyi Road after midnight. Tim Wei, who runs a tech-focused YouTube channel, shared his thoughts after his test ride. The most important thing for unmanned vehicles is safety. The second is to put riders at ease. In the future, with the maturation of 5G, it'll be possible to turn a privately owned passenger car into a self-driving one. I believe that we'll have the technology for that within three or four years. The driverless bus is about to start its third phase of road testing. On Wednesday, online registration for test rides will open to the general public. 
Braised pork rice, or lu rou fan, is one of Taiwan's most widespread and popular dishes. But a perennial debate rages on without resolution. Should you mix up the pork and rice before eating it? Some say the mixing is an integral part of the dish. Others disagree. Let's take a look at the issue. A steaming hot bowl of braised pork rice lands in front of you. Do you take a spoonful straight away or mix it up first? To mix or not to mix, the perennial debate has been reignited by this post online. Two friends of 13 years almost fell out over the dilemma. Everyone who eats braised pork rice has their way of doing it. I come from the mixing school. Is it really better to just eat it without mixing? I feel sorry for the food when it's treated that way, but I respect their right to choose. I think city people care most about efficiency when eating, but I think it's kind of disgusting to mix it up before eating it. Non-mixers enjoy keeping the distinct flavors and textures of the gloopy pork sauce and the crisp, hopefully perfectly steamed rice separate. But mixers say that loses the spirit of the dish or even ruins the whole concept of putting the pork on top of the rice. Let sauce coat each grain evenly is their motto. Because it makes it more flavorsome, I think more people mix it, maybe 40 to 60 percent, but not as much as 30 to 70 percent. While the battle rages on, some prefer to stay neutral. One lady told us that she first eats a mouthful straight from the bowl and then mixes the rest, the best of both worlds.